Yes. Recordings. Yeah. Let the church say amen. 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 All right. Well, welcome uh, to our single singleness class. World versus the Bible. Uh -huh. We are going to start off with a short clip. Um, it's only about 30 seconds that I want to play of this. Hopefully it's still queued up. Um, and so tonight we're going to be talking about uh, this phrase that this guy uses in this uh, particular video, uh, loving from defense, loving from a place of defense. And so we're going to be talking about safety first, um, where people are in a place of singleness, but they're there because of hurt and pain and past issues. And um, they may or may not want to even think about a relationship because of their pain, or they may not be uh, able um, to go into a healthy relationship. If they did go, it would be destroyed because of their past pain or their uh, potential partner's past pain. And so we wanna kind of talk about how uh, trauma, pain, things like that, affect your outlook on your singleness. Uh, and so we're gonna have a lot of heart check type stuff tonight. So um, I, I, my prayer is that you engage because that's what's gonna make it most beneficial. If you don't interact, it's not gonna be as beneficial. Um, but if you engage, I, I guarantee we're gonna do some, some, some great work tonight. So let me make sure this is queued up properly. Do you wanna say anything before we get started? No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of both, a little bit of both. Yeah, it's like. Okay, so let me pause that, make sure my sound is being shared, because I don't think I did that. Share sound. All right. Give me a thumbs up if you can hear this. Been here so you I've been here 25 years, so yeah. it's just you yeah, know everybody, and then it's just like everybody know everybody. Everybody yeah, knows too. Baby mamas too. No, I was gonna say I just feel like I think everybody everybody trying to love from from defense. You know what I'm saying? There's no offense taking place. You know, men, it's really, it's difficult for us to pursue because I mean, we've been hurt ourselves. And then, you know, with the whole social media things, people out here getting exposed. We like, yo, I just want to make sure you ain't out here talking to multiple niggas, but then I'm really feeling you. So everybody is kind of trying to love on each other or trying to highlight each other from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, so everybody's kind of timid, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, instead of just, yeah, instead mm -hmm. of just trusting, just stepping out there. Yeah. And I can say I've been- Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so I preference this, this is a, um, um, black love channel, OD, OD to oh. O'Day, sorry, to black love, not OD, O'Day, right? An O'Day, Ode <laughs> or O'Day, Ode, like so I guess you would say Ode to black love, right? Um, and so this particular channel, um, they talk about singleness, marriage, all kinds of stuff. And we caught this episode as we were on the road. Um, where are we coming from? We were going. We were to going. South okay, we we're going to South Dakota. And this phrase jumped out at us: "Loving from defense," um, uh, because I had never really heard it. But when he began to explain how people have been hurt, they don't know if they can trust people, 
You look at what people are posting on social media. So it makes you want to back off of people. I mean, it, there's a lot going on that I think is very modern and is very real in today's culture. Um, and so I just wanted to bring that snippet. Uh, and then um, we're going to take a look. We're going to come back to that one. I'm going to double back to that one. I wanted to bring this up. Can everybody see this full picture? Thumbs up if you can see this full picture. Okay. All right. So in light of, well, you can, yeah. Um, in light of the comment of, you know, loving from defense, um, some of that defense is because of things that have happened. And so I want you to look at these and I'm not gonna describe them. I want you to look at them and pick the one that you can describe and then talk about it because I want this to connect to the person and the people that it connects with, it's gonna connect with them. And I want you to talk about it from the, from the standpoint of how would it, how it affects your thoughts about relationships, you know? And so you wanna, you wanna kind of think, how would that affect me? Or how has it affected me? You know, uh, how does it cause me to think about even approaching, stepping out of my box, mm -hmm. you know, to even pursue anything? Because here's why I'm asking this question. I'm, I'm posing this because I don't want people to be single because of trauma and hurt. Mm -hmm. If you're single, you want to be single because that's where you want to be. You don't want it to be, you know, you don't want it to be something where this trauma is what's keeping me there. Okay. And so something on here is going to jump out at you. And I'm not going to describe what they are because you're going to be able to describe it when you look at it. So as you're looking at it, and I'm going to close some of this so my people in the room can see some of this. Okay. Uh oh, it moved on me. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Okay. So. Anybody see anything that jumps out at you? Shoot a hand up. I have one. Tierra's got one. Oh, Amelia can go first. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Um, the heart with the knife in the back or stabbed in it. Um, from my perspective, it's one of those that being hurt so many times, it's kind of like you, they basically stabbed you several times because you put your trust, you put your all, you put everything into them for them to turn around and stab you. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, how do I, how do I move on from that? How do I learn that it's okay to yeah. move on again and to trust people and to let them have my heart again Beautiful. without being scared to be stopped. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing and jumping out there. Thank you so mm -hmm. much. Tierra? Um, the one that I saw first is the woman in the dress with the hands all over her. Yes. Uh -huh. um, that one speaks to me about abuse mm -hmm. or um, like experiences of people unwanted or yeah. unconsensual touch. Yeah. Um, and I think that one's a deep one because it, A, it makes people feel like they can't speak up for themselves. Like they don't have a right to speak up for themselves. And it gives this expectation of like that people are really only interested in taking advantage of you or hurting you. Um, 
And that makes it difficult to be vulnerable with people or to invest in being vulnerable. It um, kind of limits how you see yourself, value yourself. Um, so yeah, th that was the first one that stood out to me. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, who is next, April or Maya? You guys thumb wrestle for it. <laughs> Maya. Okay. <laughs> Um, one that stood out to me was the one that the guy sitting in front of like the computer screen. Mm -hmm. Um, that was stood out to me because it's kind of like a self-esteem thing, um, being emotionally and mentally abused by someone that mm -hmm. you thought loved you, but yeah. then came back and in a way lowered your self-esteem, lower how you saw yourself, lower, made you kind of like like, I don't know what the word for it. No, you're doing but all right. be harder on yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, April? Um, so the one that Maya touched on is the one that um, got to me. But the other one um, that really stood out to me was the drug and alcohol. Um, because when we don't want to feel something, we medicate. We use some kind of substance to not feel pain, to not feel hurt, to not feel, to escape. And that's what we use as our escape is some kind of, whether it be meds, whether it be alcohol, whether it be sex, whether it be whatever, we use those as our vices to not feel anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you. Raquel? I think uh, two immediately stood out to me. Um, the little, what appears to be a little boy screaming. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the broken heart. Um, I think if your experience from childhood, maybe parental or um, whatever male figure, your first thought of your, the, the primary male figure in your, in your life has broken your heart. In my instance, my father. So you hear love from a broken or decent place. And then the look, being a little boy and screaming and not, you know, enraged in behind that. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. You guys, man, very, very insightful. I got one. Go ahead. Go ahead. But Maya and April actually kind of comment on it. Um, but I've been thinking about this lately because it's such a mental thing is so I had a defense or have a defense, um, fat shaming, mm -hmm. and which goes with the things being said about you and everything like that. And it just seems like um, nowadays it's a different a different picture than it was when I was 20, 25 years ago. And um, so there's a lot more accepted than what it was. But back then when it was 25 years ago, if you was a big girl, they let you know you was a big girl if you was a different size. And um, so you heard a lot of uh, negative things would kind of put you in a category that people didn't want you to be with you. They wanted you for other stuff. And so um, that's one. So you never really looked for love. Mm -hmm. To go to piggyback off of what Ms. Tyler said, it's still to that day. Um, and I'm only saying that because I've gone through it where 
guys are like, yo, you're pretty, you're beautiful, you're beautiful. But it's like when I say no to the one thing that they're wanting, then it's, oh, you're, you're a slut, you're a, you know, like just getting name called. And it, then it doesn't help any at the fact that literally because of social media, everyone hides behind their phone. They'll make fake accounts and will chat you on social media. And then now you're sitting there and you're getting name called and you're getting this left and right through social media and you don't know exactly who it is because it's the fact of they're hiding behind a screen. Right. So now that they're hiding behind a screen, you're sitting there like, okay, am I really that bad of a person? Am I, because I'm going through it with my mom, um, sitting and talking to my mom on Friday, um, going through it now, there's someone I'm talking to and it was, I get compared to his ex all the time and questioning if I'm good enough because he'll slide up on other people's story and be like, oh my God, you're so pretty, but I'm not getting it. So you're like, okay, if you can slide up on someone else's story and tell them that, then why aren't you telling me the same thing? So then it makes me question if I'm good enough for them. It makes me question whether or not I'm good enough for anyone. Because now I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, I have one person doing that to me. I have other people telling me that um, because I'm not sleeping with them. Then it's, oh, I'm a slut. I'm a you know, so you just have a mixture of different things, and it sucks at the fact that today's society, yeah, yeah, um, makes it that way. Yeah, yeah. April and Atira, before you guys go, um, let me explain because I think one or two people just jump on jumped on. So what we're doing is that we're looking at these, I guess, pictures or you know, images. Thank you, images. And we are looking at them from the standpoint of how they affect us in uh, our emotional health and things towards um, trying to even look at relationships again. Because again, I want people to be single because they're deciding to be single because that's what's best for their walk with God, not because of any type of trauma. And so basically you're looking at the images and you're talking about the ones that stand out to you as it relates to your experiences. Okay. Um, so I think we had April and then Tierra. Um, to kind of piggyback off of what Ms. Taya said um, when it came to body shaming, um, I remember a time growing up where being the thick girl wasn't a good thing. Being the, the heavy set girl was not a good thing where it's kind of flipped now where being curvaceous, being thick, being uh, plus size, or like as they like to call it, BBW, um, has become what they want. But even in that, it's like there's still the other side that is still body shaming the the, the curvaceous female. Right, right. Tierra, and then I think I saw Epic's hand. Um, yeah, I was just looking again at the pictures, um, and I was kind of focusing in on the medicine one with the doctor in the lab coat. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big one right now because there's a lot of like narratives going around now about like how, you know, you can't love somebody if you're not healed and you can't, um, you know, expect somebody to love you if you're still dealing with your trauma and you're broken and all this stuff. Mm. And like, um, you know, on the one hand that a lot of people do take that as, okay, well, that means I need to 
take care of myself and will invest in like therapy and all that stuff, which is good. But on the flip side, I feel like it um, kind of is kind of like, um, how do I put it? It's not really, it's false advertising, right? Because you never really are done working through your issues ever. Right. Right. Like right. even they might change. Right. Um, and you or you might get to a place where you're at least manageable. Right. Versus like being in a tailspin. But like you never really are like this perfect human being with no flaws or whatever. And so it kind of makes it seem like people who are like going through issues or who are dealing with mental health, um, mental illnesses and taking medication and things like that aren't worthy of being loved by someone as they are. Wow, um, yeah. So that was, that's another one that I was thinking of when I was looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. That's one of the reasons why I didn't put any label on any of these because I wanted each person to look at it and interpret it. Um, Epic and then Amber. Oh, maybe she's gone. Mm -hmm. she's gone there. Uh, go ahead, Amber. We'll come back to Epic. Um, well, for me right now, um, the picture with the young man or boy looking at his computer with all of those labels, you know, ugly idiot, etc. Um, I don't know, like that spoke to me because it's not necessarily that like for me right now, I'm going through that, not so much the sense of like people are coming at me through the internet saying whatever about me, it's more so my own thoughts and insecurities yeah, yeah, and comparing, yeah. Com mm -hmm. um, yeah, comparing myself to just other things that are out there and there's so much, it's like, a, it's just an overload. And so I feel like there's an indirect, um, like, yeah, like the, all of those things combined of being said or just people posting videos is just, a, it's like an indirect saying, mm -hmm. your life should be like this. And it could right. be something so innocent, but because, you know, if you're going through something, you're not quite healed on, then it can really trigger you. Um, and so for me, I had to step down from social media because I kind of resonate with that dude. And I feel like, um, it just, it also raises a concern for the generations to come because internet is not going anywhere and those right, right. subliminal messages are not going anywhere and idealistic lifestyles, you know? And my kids, I just think about them like, man, if I'm dealing with some of this and I'm an adult and I know what it's like to be without the internet, you know, what about my kids <laughs> where it's like internet, everything, you know? Um, it's kind of challenging to think about. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I mean, you guys are. I do have a question. You guys are are doing an amazing job. Um, Ty, which so um, how many have actually heard that particular term of love from defense, or is this a new term? Yeah. Where, you know, where have you heard or about it, or, or maybe you've heard, heard something a version of that. Yeah. Repeat that again. So how many have heard a term or some version of this term of loving from defense, a defensive posture, safety first, 
you know, you're protecting yourself. You know, I don't know how, uh, you know, however you've heard it said. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those are hands up. Did you want to comment on it? Or are you just saying, yes, I've heard a version of it? Just saying, just saying that yes, I've heard, okay. heard a version. And what was, what was the version? Give me, give me what you guys have heard. Um, mine is tough love. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I hear that quite often from my dad and my stepmom. Um, I hear that they love me, but I'm getting tough love. And it's hard to, because like my dad, my mom would know this. My mom, um, she, when, you know, she and I would have disagreements, it would be okay. We walk away. And then before we go to bed, she would tell me she loves me. Where with my dad, I don't even get that. I get nothing. He goes to bed mad. He goes to bed angry. He goes to bed not saying I love you, doesn't say goodnight to me. And I've told him on several occasions that it hurts. And yet he doesn't do anything. So that's where I'm sitting at. Yeah, and I get that. That um that makes a lot of sense because it's a way to protect you. It's a way so that you'll be tougher when you go out there and nobody will take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. And it really does put you in a place of defense. Mm -hmm. So it has you guarding yourself because you, you, you know, you got, you got to be tough. Mm -hmm. So I, I get that. That makes sense. Raquel. I think you said it guarded. You're too guarded. You know, you got to work through bricks and walls to get to you. So right, 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 yeah. right. Thank you, Amber. I would say, I, um, for me, it's not so much. Well, I am pretty guarded, but it's not so much like just me. Now it's kind of like that whole tough love with my kids, where I'm like, <laughs> it sounds bad, but you know, certain things like my kid. You know, she's running in the store. I let her trip and fall, and she cries, and I just look at her instead of running to her to grab her, and I feel bad, but at the same time, I'm like, well, you've got to learn. <laughs> So sometimes it's like that tough love mentality too. Cause I'm like, just what I've gone through and see people going through is like, man, there's so much out here. That's kind of like, you got to prepare these young ones for whether it's right or wrong, the way you're doing it. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah didn't no, you do I, that for us once? So, What'd you no, say? I, I don't know. Ask my mom if she freaking. I think my brother did something, and she told my brother not to do it, and then he did to do it, and then she let him do it, and he was mad because he got hurt, and she looked at him and was like, "I told you not to." <laughs> yeah, the only way my kids learn. Yeah, I, I think, I, I like you said. I think you have to balance that because you don't want them to grow up, and this is why they're struggling to connect or this is why they're struggling to have healthy relationships. And so I, I do think I get what you guys are saying. I, you know, you just want to balance it. Um, Tierra. And then looks like April. Yeah, I've heard it a lot. I'm not really in the same context that a lot of you all are talking about. Cause right. to me, I feel like that's, that's different. Like that's, more of a way of finding out how to build healthy resilience. But this kind of like loving from a place of defense is more like um, a person who refuses to be vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, as like, 
you'll they'll say it a lot of like oh well you're even though you're in relationships and stuff your your heart is cold right they'll be like oh you know um i've heard the phrase like her legs were open but her heart was closed like that kind of stuff of like oh well yeah you be willing to jump in a relationship with somebody but you're not actually gonna get and be vulnerable with them or actually put your heart into it it's just like i just need this fling for a moment um so that kind of stuff of like not really um letting yourself go in that sense to be authentic and to be genuine with a person because of past hurt or because of fear of future hurt yeah that's that's kind of where i'm going with this even though i can understand what they're saying that's that's kind of where we're going um april um where what i've heard not the from a place of defense but i've heard being emotionally unavailable Mm, Um, because i'm guarded because i am trying to protect myself trying to protect my kids trying to i'm in that protective mode or i'm in that mode of not wanting to let anybody in it's the you're emotionally unavailable you are um i'm trying to show you love i'm trying to give you love but because you've been hurt so much you won't allow me to love you the way you deserve to be loved because you're emotionally unavailable right Um, and i've even heard it from a guy that i was talking to that he gives himself a time frame uh where he's like my relationship lasts five years if within that five years we don't do whatever then he cuts it off and that's the limit that he gives himself because of that loving from a place of defense yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense and 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 i think i think we do have to we have to really explore this um there's uh, there's a um let's see there's a couple of people that just joined the the stigmatism is a lot that this is a, a a more geared toward men right um, is the stigmatism, but we're seeing some of it happen now uh, with women, um, with a lot of the changes and things going on. Um, but a lot of times people say that this is really heavy uh, with men. So I-, I wanted to ask our lovely two men that we have here, what do they think? Is that something that they, they encounter or, or have heard is from men a lot? Okay. Well, we actually have three men here, huh? No, I was talking about you and Kenji, but I forgot your dad because because he's facilitating it, but he also counts too. Yeah. Um, my perspective is a little different. All the men I've been around have always been like, have always been more, uh, let's try this out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So they've been on really open and they continue to be open Mm -hmm. but it ends up being the women that are closed Mm -hmm. and so they try to be open and they're like i'm giving everything i got but you ain't reciprocating nothing Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the situations that i've seen Mm -hmm. in my experiences so Mm -hmm. okay i have a question why is it that everyone, especially when you've been hurt so many times, 
we all think that the next is going to be do the exact same thing. And what I mean by that is that yeah, yeah, like, I, I got you. I've been I've been hurt so many times by several different people and by guys, and then it's scared to open up or let someone else back in again because I have that feeling of okay, it's going to happen again. I'm going to open up to someone. I'm going to start all over again. I'm going to open up to someone, and then for them to turn around and do the exact same thing that I yeah. just went through, you know. Yeah. I think that's why we're going over this mm -hmm. because we really want, you know, one of the goals of doing this class is for if you're, you're, you're single or you're unmarried is really what we're talking about. You address some of these things so that you don't have to, mm -hmm. you know, be afraid to re-engage if that's something that you desire to do, right? Mm -hmm. Because we want it to be that you know, singleness is not bad and relationships aren't better, right? I mean, they are what they are. And so whichever state that you're in, we want you to be content. And this is why we need to address some of these things because um, if I have some of these traumas, right? If I look at some of these images and I start thinking about what has happened to me, it is gonna be hard to move forward it is going to be hard to to think that you know to, like as aj was saying that some of the guys he knows they're actually open they and it's probably because they don't have the trauma right <laughs> they probably don't really have you know they're willing to try whereas you know people who have, have have done the relationship thing they they are overcoming some hurdles if you have it then you are a little more open mm -hmm. you know now you may be traumatized by what happened to somebody else Mm -hmm. right you may have a friend that you saw go through some some of these things you know like i ain't i ain't messing with that you know and so there there are a couple of different things there was a um a statistic and i, and I can't remember offhand but you i know you probably do that stated that uh most women gravitate toward the same the same man the same man right you're, you're talking about the, the statistic that 80 percent of women day 20% of men. Right. 20% of the men. 20% yeah. of the men. And so um, with that particular statistic, I think it would be a form of explanation in the sense of what you're saying, um, uh, Amelia, because if if I pick the same, the same type guy, of guy, it's just a different guy, guy then I'm going to keep encountering the same, the same thing, yeah. right? That makes sense. Um, so that could be a possibility as well. Yeah. April. The statement that you just made, makes me think of my sister, for instance, um, because she's that one that, oh, I saw mom and dad go through the divorce and everything that they went through with their divorce. I don't want to do that, so I'm not dating. So they they go off of other people's trauma yeah. and decide that, nope, that's not for me. I'm not going to do it, so I'll just be single. And it's like, you can't base, and I've told her, you can't base your love, your your life, your whatever, off of somebody else's issues because you're not them. You're not mom, you're not dad. So you can't put yourself in their shoes. Right. So right. I've, I've watched my sister for the last however many years um, turn people down because she's afraid that her relationship is gonna end up just like our parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and 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 also with uh, that statistic of the twenty percent, you know, eighty uh, percent of women pick and twenty percent of men. That leaves eighty percent of men that are not picked, which would put them. Some could be offended and have an approach of loving from defense because they have been looked over or shunned or whatever the case may be. But I also am re reminded of a quote back in the day they used to say that um, women don't pick a man till another woman gets with him to make him look better or something about he looks better. Yeah. Um, and so it's still that people are gravitating toward that 20%. And, and, and um, I don't know why that is the case or, you know, but it certainly is real. It's like, I think the natural selection, I don't know, <laughs> something yeah. like that. Okay, um, so we're gonna move forward because I got a little more stuff to cover. Um, for those that just joined us, uh, what we did, we just went through kind of an exercise where we looked at the images and based upon the images, um, we talked about the traumas that may affect us in thinking about in, engaging in a relationship or why we are, you know, staying single right now because of some one of these things. And I didn't label them. I just let you look at them and you pick out the one that speaks to you. And so um, those that have kind of jumped, just jumped on, I'll give you about two minutes to take a look and, and then um, react to something on there. If not, I'm gonna move on to my next slide. Nobody? Okay, I'm going to move forward. All right. Mm -hmm. Oh, Epic has something while you're moving forward. Go ahead, Epic. Oh. Epic, were you going to share something? All right. Okay. Give me a thumbs up when you hear this. So uh, how many have heard um, this terminology, narcissists? <laughs> Pretty sure everybody's heard that. Really, this is a short video. I want to kind of because as it relates to trauma, some of our trauma is from coming into contact with narcissists, <laughs> you know, and so it does make it hard for you to um, kind of want to engage or, you know, because you're dealing with a narcissistic person. Mm -hmm. And then some of us may be narcissistic in some areas. <laughs> and so right. I want us to, to watch this and then we'll, we'll have a, a short discussion about it. Okay. the curious double standards of narcissists. Narcissists are so many things in one, they have different lifestyle patterns, characterized as double standards. These people are characterized by alterations in healthy standards for
What just happened? You hit a button. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> The curious double standards of narcissists. Narcissists are so many things in one. They have different lifestyle patterns, characterized as double standards. These people are characterized by alterations in healthy standards for feeling, thinking, and relating. One of the most distinguished alterations among narcissists is a prevalent set of double standards and paradoxes. Here are some of those double standards. Number one, magnificent but brittle. Narcissists live a life of magnificence. They present themselves as capable of doing all things and that no one can compare to them. They believe that they're entitled to everything and therefore they do not have to work for anything but get everything they want on a platter. But even with this magnificent attitude, they're hypersensitive, getting angry and mad at the slightest sight of criticism or provocation. When they don't get their way or become the center of attention, they begin to sulk and lash out like children. Number two, antagonistic yet angry at questions or opposition. Narcissists believe that they can do whatever they like and get away with it. They think they're the only ones that have the right to say no to someone's request. But if someone else says no to their request, they get angry and you automatically become their enemy. They like to question authorities, but they never want to be questioned by anyone if they're in charge. What they say stands and no one has the right to go against it. And if you try to go against them, then they automatically go nuclear on you and might even personally attack you to challenge them. Number three, desperate to be heard but never listening. Because they're always looking for people to approve and help with their self-glory, they're still desperate to be heard. They're ready to do anything and go to any length to make sure that they're listened to. They desperately want people to sing their praises and talk about them all the time. And they don't care if what you say is good or bad. They want to be the center of attention. But if you need the narcissist to listen to you, they are never there for people who need them. They always want people to listen to them, but they never want to listen to anyone. Number four, emotionally entitled yet uncaring about others' feelings. Narcissists expect other people to hold them dear at heart. They expect people to hold their feelings as sacred and above everything. When they need it, they expect everyone to be on their toes and that the problem solved. Yet when other people are in need, the narcissist is emotionally unavailable. The narcissist makes sure that emotions of others are ridiculed and ignored. They behave as if they do not know what they're doing, even when the consequences of the actions are spelled out to them. Number five, quick to blame, yet reluctant to do their part. Narcissists are very quick in passing blames to other people. They do not care who's at fault because of the narcissist. They're always perfect and never at fault, so they always push the blame to someone else. Even if they fail, they attribute it to be the fault of someone else. Yet narcissists seem reluctant to admit their part and rarely say sorry or I'm wrong. So what's your opinion about this? I hope you enjoyed watching this cool video and if you have something on your Right. So, what do we think about that video? Do any of those stand out to you? Um, as you were listening, did any one of those traits of the narcissist 
stand out to you? Shoot a hand up and kind of give us a synopsis on the ones that stood out or the one that stood out. Do you guys have one? A lot of them. I have a lot. Uh, a lot of them. April, yes. April, go ahead. <laughs> I think the one that stood out to me the most because there was an individual in my life that, or was in my life, that I've dealt with this with him. Um, cared about my, his feelings, but didn't care about mine. So every time we were on the phone with each other, it was always what was going on with him. It was always about what he's dealing with and what, what his life is about. But when it came time to me, let me vent, it was all of a sudden he had to go. <laughs> yeah, it's all nice. of a sudden we have to cut the, the conversation short. But I've listened for 45 minutes about you, you, you. But when I need two seconds to vent, oh, I got to go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Ty, you said you had a couple. Um, I think <laughs> I, I had a, a big question. Because I'm listening to their description of narcissist narcissism. Um, and it made me think that uh, to be classified as a narcissist, do you have to be all of those? Because it's, what if some people have one or maybe two traits? Um, and so it's not that they're a narcissist, but they may have some narcissism traits. Yeah. And so it did make me make me think about that because I feel like I know almost everybody in my life has at least one or two narcissistic traits, right? Um, that to me would go back again to also, you know, when you're dealing with people and there are people in your life that you love, um, would go back to loving from defense. Part of the reason people love from, from defense, defense is because they've had to deal with someone who is, uh, has narcissism or is a narcissist, or they themselves need to protect themselves from that, or, um, because of it, it makes them to, to, to be on defense. But it really made me think about children, right? Um, because a lot of those particular qualities I saw in some of my nieces or nephews or whatever the case may be. And it makes me think that as adults, people entering into relationships with the opposite, you know, uh, as far as love relationships, carry these immature mm -hmm. behaviors and that's what really is at the basis of some of their uh, narcissistic ways because they've never really grown out of this immaturity. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good assessment. Anybody else, Any, anything on there jumped out at you that you wanna share or talk about or comment on? Nothing? Okay. <laughs> I thought that one would raise a few more flags. Maya. If things don't go their way. So, why are you so close? <laughs> <laughs> Try to Hello. give my, yeah. There we go. Okay. Um, if things don't go their way, they kind of like throw a fit or it's always an issue um, if something they want to do doesn't happen or what they think doesn't happen, you know, like that stood out to me because I've seen a lot of people deal with that. I have to deal with that where it's like, you know what, okay, we can do it because you're throwing this big of a fit about it. Mm 
Yeah, yeah. And and, and that does cause you to be on defense. Um, Epic. Uh, yes. So there. myself, I've been I've been a victim of narcissistic abuse before. And one thing that I have to say is the absolute um roller coaster of emotions that you go through because first you have the love bombing where you're, they basically are acting like they worship you like you're everything they ever wanted and then after the love bombing we have a devaluation phase where they turn around and then they just start dogging you out and you're confused and then you get addicted to the to to the cycle because when you're in because the love bombing feels so good right and you're actually starting to feel pumped up like wow i am special this person like i'm in, like this is uh this is obviously meant to be because whatever and then you they you turn around and they they start breadcrumbing you and you're confused because you're like okay they were so over the top wanting to do anything for me and tell me how wonderful it was and then they turn around and it's like nothing and and you're just like what happened and then they do the future faking which is when they they tell you all these grandiose like stories about how it's going to be in the future and you start to hold on to that and believe it's true and it, it just it ends up really messing with the person's it, it ends up messing with the person's head and the reason i know all these terms is because i literally when I was a victim of it, it literally like got to me, you know, it literally like messes with your, uh, it, it, like it messed with me to where I just was like, it knocked me off my square. So yeah, narcissistic abuse is definitely bad. Yeah, you, um, you need to send me those terminologies. <laughs> uh, future faking, love bombing. What's the other one you said? Breadcrumbing. Yeah, Bread I'm, crumbing, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm literally like, those. I'm, I need yeah, those. I'm literally, because I, I had to literally, I, I literally like have taken, like gone in depth in researching it because of the fact of understanding um, what what I was going through. And yeah, there there is the malignant narcissist, there's the covert narcissist. Yeah, I understand that there's different types of narcissism. There's like, Oh, oh the covert malignant and, and yeah. they, they present differently so but, epic i need you to send me those terms because i i never heard none of those terms okay so, so send, them right. to me. send them to me Amelia. all right she's getting unmuting oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like how do i unmute <laughs> <laughs> She's working on it. Um, there we go. Sorry, my phone's acting weird. Um, to piggyback off of what Maya was saying, um, when it comes to the fact that they get upset, they it's like the whole thing of you don't do what they want you to do, then it's you're the bad guy. You're the one that's getting accused for things. You're the one that's going, oh yeah, hey, I'm not, you know. Um, and it sucks because it's like the whole thing of I'm 
here to be in your corner. I'm here to listen. I'm here for everything else. But just because you're not getting the answer you're wanting, then it's an issue. So I have a question. I have a question. And this is like just a random question. Is it a narcissistic viewpoint if we're going on a date and um, I expect the other person, if I'm a female, I check, expect the, the male to pay or, or I expect the other person. Is that a narcissistic viewpoint or is that a not, sexist? Not viewpoint? necessarily. Okay. It's kind of cultural okay. and it depends on the person because it can be. Right. There, there's it, it does have the potential to be, but I think it's more um, cultural, you know, for. So I think it depends on the person. Would, would you guys say that? Because the person could be being narcissistic. Right. <laughs> uh, April. I think it depends. I, I would have to agree with you. I think it depends on the person, because um, I know for me, if I ask you out, I'm going to pay. But if someone asks me out, then it's the concept or the idea that you're paying because you're the one that said, hey, can I take you out? So it all just depends on the person. And like I said, it's a cultural thing. Yeah, because there, there are some people that are being narcissistic mm -hmm. when they have that expectation. So Maya. <laughs> I agree with what she said. I think it's... <laughs> I think it's based on the person because like for me, I'm more of a, I think we take turns. So if I pay the first date, you pay the second date and we go back and forth like that. Um, but it's also a thing of, there's been a guy that I talked to and he was, he was like, if you don't pay or you don't bring your own money to pay for yourself, then that's on you. We're not going to go out, you know? So it's kind of, I think it's more so based on the person. Mm. April, is that a new hand or old hand? New hand. Okay. Um, I think where the narcissism comes in at, like say in, your, in that uh, scenario that you gave, um, where the narcissism comes in at, and this is just my thought, is when there's expectations of the pain. So if I'm buying you dinner, then I expect there to be sex afterwards. If right. I'm buying you dinner, then I expect such and such afterwards. If right. I'm buying or if I'm taking you out, then I'm expecting this. So I think that's where the narcissism comes in at in those type of situations. Okay, gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. I can, I can, I see that. Amelia and then Tierra, and then we're going to move forward to my next slide. Mm -hmm. I think, hold on. Ow. No, it was my head. Okay. Um, I think that it's one of those that you also have to look at. There are some people that be like, oh yeah, hey, I got the next check. Because I'm one of those that I'll take turns with someone. But the guy I'm talking to is like, nope, it's on me. Don't stress about it. It's on me. It's on me. It's on me. But then you kind of sit there and you're like, okay, I feel bad for not pitching in. You know, like I feel bad for not being able to help out on things. And it's like, okay, how, how do I pitch in if it's one of those that he's so insistent on it being he's paying for things? Mm 
mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So you kind of have to figure out where you sit on things. Yeah. Okay. Sierra? Yeah, I don't know if I would say that that is necessarily like narcissism, um, the whole pain, the bill thing. I think I'm always hesitant to throw out narcissism as like an explanation for everything. Right. It like is actually a disorder, right? Like, so I think that it's important to recognize the difference between like uh, an entitled person and like someone who actually is a narcissist, right? Because like, like mom was saying earlier, I think at different points in time, we all will be selfish (laughs) and that's just a fact, right? Like um, sometimes people act entitled. Sometimes people disregard other people's feelings because of what they want. Like, I think that that is unfortunately just a part of human nature. Um, And so like, I'm always just kind of hesitant to like, label a person that just because they're acting a certain way at a particular moment because it's really about context you know you never know who like um like for me as a person who has a difficult time speaking up about what I need because I'm so used to just helping others and giving to others like it can be harmful when a person like that speaks up and then somebody's like, oh, you're being entitled, you're just being needy, or you're just being whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's always important to kind of just consider the context of people. Because like, what we could be saying is, oh, this person is being selfish, is them trying to establish a healthy boundary for themselves, you know, to make sure that they need. So it's like a fine line of like, okay, at what point is this person genuinely not caring about other people? And at what other points they're like, I just can't compromise on this, you know? Or incapable, you know. Right, narcissist, or incapable. A narcissist is probably more incapable. They they can't really stop themselves from doing it. It's, it's kind of, like you said, for it's an illness. So they can't even stop themselves from doing it. Okay, we got two more slides, one, one video and the final slide. So you guys are sticking with me. Hopefully we can do this in our last 24 minutes. Hey, Psych2Goers. Whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, forgot about emotional wounds. Ever stop to wonder why that forgotten birthday still hurts, even though it happened many years ago, or why you still stay awake at night wondering why someone backstabbed you in high school? Those are emotional wounds that have not healed. Unlike physical wounds, they aren't visible, and we don't have a surefire simple band-aid for it. The good news is that healing these wounds takes a few different tactics that we may not have thought about before. So let's go through how to recognize that you need that emotional first aid kit and how to use it. Number one, being alive, but not living. Sure, being alive can be clinically spelled out in cool terms. Your heart is beating, you're able to remember your name, you can perform work functions, you eat food, and you sleep at night. But living is different. It's when you follow a passion, do fun things, and do anything outside the bare necessities. Maybe you've lost a loved one, and since then you felt undeserving of happiness. So you cut yourself off from all these things. And before you know it, you start living in survival mode. You're alive, but not really. Step back 
look at the situation. Understand that you have a right to grieve, to be angry, to be hurt. Connecting with others can help you understand that living your life is not causing these things to happen. You may, in fact, find that not living your life is in fact hurting those around you who are still there for you and care about you. Number two, being disproportionately angry or sad or emotional or ugh. Emotional wounds are wounds. When wounds are still tender and raw, a breath of fresh air can feel like fire. You know yourself, you know what normally gets to you. And when you start getting angry at things where two seconds later you think, what was that all about? Why did I yell at them? That's a sign of a possible wound that needs attending. You might not even be getting something directed at you. You could be looking at random paint colors and suddenly you're sobbing. You're not losing your mind. It's your emotions trying to communicate to you, saying, hey, you have some processing to do so we can get to healing. It likely means that there's something that hasn't been fully acknowledged and dealt with. It may be perceived as embarrassing or you thought you were done with it. But if you're still emotionally everywhere, perhaps it's time to take a second look and acknowledge these emotions. Number three, you can't stop replaying the situation over and over. Admitting the situation and talking about it is good. You have to admit that it's there for it to be healed. But if you keep talking about it without direction or purpose and on repeat, it's gone from helpful to harmful. So when talking about the situation or assessing it, always ask yourself, what am I getting out of talking about it? Is there something I still don't understand that will help me move to the next step? And ask yourself honestly, if you're repeating things because you're denying what you already know, but hoping to get a different answer. This is not closing a wound, it's reopening it and undoing all the hard work you've done before. Number four, self-growth stunted by fear. Part of living or experiencing life is continuing to grow. Learn and reach out. Being hurt emotionally can make you hyper aware of other intense emotional opportunities. For example, if you were in a harmful relationship, you may stop getting into relationships where you feel deep emotions, but you're robbing yourself of the life you deserve if you do this. You deserve to learn and grow despite the ups and downs that have come. It's normal to fear the unknown and the what if, but having the courage to grow anyhow is worth it. We're not saying don't fear because that's inhuman. It's how you deal with it that matters. Understand your fear and recognize that the bad thing is not the only option that will happen. Recall, remember, and recognize all the factors that are on your side. Realize that these factors exert just as strong a force as anything else. Do what you need to, to give yourself the best chances possible. It could be having a backup plan, or it could be a different approach from the one taken before, but you can do this. And number five, Sleep schedule, what sleep schedule? Have you been losing sleep? Even when you haven't been downing caffeine or stay awake meds? If so, something is going on emotionally. Ironically, getting good sleep is one of the things that will assist with healing that wound. So tackle this by getting yourself an honest to goodness routine. That's right, sleep prep. Here are a few suggestions to get you started making your own personalized routine no food or electronics one hour before your goal sleep time. Meditate to calm and quiet your mind. Sip some warm tea with natural calming agents like chamomile. Sleep 
helps your whole you recoup. Persistence and courage are required to heal emotional trauma. Many of us can agree that emotional trauma cuts deeper and lasts longer than most physical injuries. With something so complex, it's easy to feel like we have no choice but to hurt forever, but that's not true. If we can choose to put in the time and the effort, we can choose to heal and we don't have to do it alone. To navigate this journey, it's normal and even encouraged to speak to the guidance of a seasoned professional. You are worth the time and effort. Don't rob yourself of the best life you could live. How do these points resonate with you? Please feel free to comment and discuss any methods you've tried or things you're puzzling over. Thanks so much for watching. Okay. I don't know what's wrong with Epic's phone. Everybody could hear that, right? Okay. I think her phone reception is. All right. Thoughts. Oh, we got some hands quick. April. <laughs> I'm feeling some type of way about that video. Um, <laughs> because especially with what's going on right now. Um now it's got me like really sitting here questioning myself when it comes to me talking about the situation that I'm in right now or that me and my family are in right now. Um, where it's like me talking about it, am I processing it or am I just, so I'm like, do I continue to talk about it to somebody or do I just sweep it under the rug and let it go? No, I think you actually answered your question in the delivery of the question. Mm -hmm you have to process it you can't just vent right if we're just venting then we're just reliving the trauma right we're just living it over and over again you want to actually process it um when you're talking about it right because i know i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off because i know in like for instance this morning i was talking to jeremiah about what's going on because I had cleaned up some stuff here at the house and seeing the things that are being said and the things that have been done, it was the question of how can this person say this when I'm cleaning up stuff? So like, in my mind, I was processing because I'm trying to figure out how and how we got here. And so what, what was your conclusion? What was the, the, the result of the process? So, cause I'm actually gonna address this in my last slide. So hold on to that, hold on to that. I wanna hear from some other people and then we're actually gonna address that specific thing in my next slide, my final slide. Zan Zandra, hi. Hello, sorry I'm late, Apostle. I had to uh, go to the kids in school and meet their um, principal tonight. So I'm late hopping on. Um, that video, kind of contradicting to my situation as well. I kind of feel April on that one because you feel like like people always say go and talk to people, reach out to people and everything like that. But sometimes with us doing that, it makes us feel like we're being a burden to others and we don't want to say what's stressing us out, what's going on, or even let people know 
that you're going through it. So you isolate yourself instead of reaching out, unfortunately. I'm kind of like in that situation from last week until this week. Because I don't want to seem like I'm going and I'm complaining about what's going on, even though it's a hard time right now. I just feel like I've been more of a burden than a solution. And that's why I feel like I don't hear back from people because they don't want to respond because I feel like I'm burdening being a burden to all of them. So that's kind of a catch-22, how I see it. Well, yeah, and, and I'll tell you kind of the same thing that I said with April, and we'll address this fully on the next slide. But I will say, if we're just venting and we're not you know, getting resolution, we're not looking to solve the problem or even listen to you know, advice to solve the problem, people will get burnt out from hearing the, you know, the same problem over and over and over again. Not saying that that's what you're doing, but that's, um, that's an issue when, when people hear the same over and over again. And, and I think it talked about that in the video. You just keep talking about the same thing over and over and over again um, and not processing it and looking for an answer. So, but we will address that. Amelia and then Taya. to kind of piggyback off of what my mom was saying. Um, and I know you said that we'll talk about it a little bit more, but how do you, how do you feel safe in going and talking about your feelings when people are constantly like, oh, I'm here for you, oh, I'm here for you. But then when you actually do need them, just even if it is to vent or to get advice, and you're constantly there for that person. But when you need it, they're nowhere to be found. They're nowhere to be found. They're nowhere to be, you know, you'll call them. They don't answer the phone. You'll text them. They're not answering. And then it's like weeks or months later when you finally hear back for them from them. But it's when they need something again. Yeah, yeah. And you're yeah. sitting here and you're like, okay, do, do you continue to be there for them and you continue to reach out or do I continue you know you continue to be there for them even though you know exactly how it's going to end or do you shut down and handle stuff on your own yeah I think I, I think you you're kind of overlapping some things um and we're going to pull those apart and so yes I will talk about that on the very next slide the final slide Taya okay. and then we're gonna I just kind of correlate um the emotional uh emotional trauma as something like where solomon would say time and chance happen to us all right um it, it's going to happen to us all uh and it's not about why is this happening but our response to it um like what you're saying are you trying to vent or are you trying to heal right and we have to recognize healing is what brings us to a peace to moving past it um, the Bible would say to give forgiveness. Um, I think to be in any type of relationship, you will encounter trauma, whether it be um, through deeds or words, right? When I say deeds, I mean, they did something that may have offended you um, in, in that regards. I'm not talking about uh, verbal, I mean, I'm not talking about physical abuse or something. I'm talking about they did something, um, you asked for something and they forgot, that's a deed, right? Um, as opposed to uh, being a breakup, right? 
to be in a relationship and, and experience a breakup is an automatic trauma, right? Um, because we don't intend to get into relationships to break up. Otherwise, people would not get into relationships. And so we have to understand that there's a grieving process that needs to take place, no matter how long you've been in the relationship. Um, because there's things that happen. Sometimes it's quicker. Sometimes it takes a little more. Um, even in the case of whether it be uh, with the intent for a uh, marital relationship or whether it be with a child relationship or whether it be with another family member, um, those things happen because those people are closest to us in our hearts. And so we have to understand um, that it's going to happen. Like when I looked at this video, it made me think that um, because <laughs> I looked at it from a different perspective. A lot of what was being described to me is also can be viewed as hormonal, right? Because I experienced all of that with menopause, right? Um, and, and so then it took me back to the picture you were portraying with when Tierra was talking about the drugs. So I need drugs because I'm going through this. What? It was a lot of different things. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, to me, this is just about how we deal with the things we encounter in our life. Um, to lose a job causes emotional trauma, right? Um, to move to a different city or state causes emotional trauma. Everything that um, takes us out of a comfort zone where we've had to put ourselves out to do something is going to cause some form of trauma. And we have to understand that to deal with it takes intent and purpose to deal with it, not just to sweep it under the rug and think we can just move to the next thing. April said, you're walking heavy, you're walking heavy, <laughs> walking heavy. Um, so with our last few minutes, last few minutes, um, I put this together, I actually put this together pretty quick and I'm seeing some typo, typing areas, errors, but you'll get my drift. <laughs> um, how to let go of things from your past. Um, and sometimes, and this also applies to things that are current as well. The first thing is challenge painful thoughts with the truth of God's word. Um, when you're going through these over and over again tra traumas, right? You're thinking about the same thing over and over again. At some point, you have to challenge that because it, is it is it actually true? Is it actually what's really going on? You know, um, what does God's word say about it? And if I'm going to repeat something over and over in my mind, I want to repeat what God's word says. And so the Bible says that we are to cast down the arguments, right? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so when our thoughts are basically assaulting us, right? They're, they're running rampant. We're going to have to bring those thoughts captive. And so we're going to have to challenge these painful thoughts with the truth of God's word. Um, because somebody says, well, what do I do when this person does this? Well, what does the word say? And now let me step into that. Let me lean all the way into that. Let's say uh, with Amelia's situation, you know, uh, when this person needs me, I'm there for them. But when I, you know, reach out to them, they're not there, right? 
what does God's word say? Well, God's word says forgive, you know, forgive and give them a fresh start. God's word says, if there's an ought, then you tell them mm -hmm. like, hey, how come every time I reach right. out for you, you're not there. A lot of people won't do that. They'll just suffer in silence, mm -hmm. right? They'll just suffer and no one, no, no one will really know that that's what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. And so if you just suffer, then yeah, it's going to be difficult. So you have to, first of all, challenge those painful thoughts with the truth of God's word. What does God, God's word actually say? Now this goes to also those situations. You create an accountability team. You pick, handpick some people that you can go talk to that will pray with you and that will give you sound advice. You don't have to tell everybody your business. Right. But you have to tell somebody because you do need to talk about it. And you need to talk to people who are going to help you to work through the process and pray for you. And so James 5.16 um, says to... Uh, confess your faults one to another, pray for one another that you might be healed. And so they're going to be praying for you for your healing, right? Let's see. But even when you call people out on that, they want to make it seem like you have rules. So how do you handle that? You go create your accountability team. Get you a circle of people that you can talk to. Because obviously whoever you're talking to you can't talk to. So don't, you know, create that accountability team of people that you know are spiritual and they're going to speak the truth to you and that are going to be level-headed and be ready to receive. Don't just vent, be ready to actually implement what's being said to you. You know, a lot of times uh, people will get frustrated with people because you'll give them information and they'll come back to you and talk to you next week about the same thing you know, like, well, did you do what I asked? Well, I didn't think it was going to work. Or they, so they'd even, it's like, well, you're going to come back to me with the same thing over and over again. Eventually a person is going to feel the, the temptation to back off, right? Mm -hmm. But if you get you an accountability team, some people that you can trust that will pray with you, that will tell you the truth in love, then that's all you need. You don't need to go to people who are unreliable. Because all you're going to do is you're going to have bad feelings towards them and you're going to have more to forgive them for. Why put a person in a position where you got to keep forgiving them? Sometimes we're creating the scenario that causes us to have to forgive. So once you realize that this person's unreliable in this area, stop taking that information to them. Take it to your accountability team, the people that you have placed in your life that you know will pray with you you know will speak the truth in love, you know uh, will we'll keep you accountable. I felt that all the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, amen, amen. Um, stay focused on grabbing a hold of Christ. Stay, yes, stay focused on grabbing a hold of Christ. And this comes from Philippians chapter uh, three, verses 12 through 13, where Paul <clears throat> talks about um, apprehending Christ the way that Christ has apprehended him, grabbing a hold of Christ the way Christ is grabbing a hold of him, mm -hmm. and forgetting the things that are behind him and reaching forth to what's in front of him. A lot of times we're looking for God um, to intervene 
instead of looking to stay tight in relationship with God. You know, a lot of times we'll sit and we'll suffer. And the Lord is saying, come to me and we'll just sit and suffer. Right. We'll just sit and go through. I don't know if you've ever been like that, where you're in a situation. It doesn't seem like there's no, any way out. And you just sit and think about the situation to the point where, yeah, it does keep you up at night. That is all that you talk about. It does have you stressed out. And you're not really staying focused on grabbing a hold to Christ, getting, getting him the way he has you, really connecting with the Lord. Because if you connect with the Lord, you'll find comfort in him that you could never find in any person around you. Because the people around you are probably struggling too, <laughs> you know? And so we're all grabbing a hold of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, any questions before I move forward? I only have about two minutes and I'm pretty sure you've already been reading the ones that are on the screen. Are there any questions or comments about the ones that are on the screen? Any ones that you want me to, to talk about specifically? April. Can <laughs> I'm laughing because I was almost there. Can you uh, go over be angry but do not sin? Because when all of that went down, I saw myself with hands around people's necks. Yes. But I kept telling myself, it's okay to be angry, but don't let your anger lead you to sin. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you did the right thing, you know, because being angry is handling the situation. If when you feel there's an injustice, it is not wrong to be angry about that. <laughs> you know, it's not wrong to have an emotion about that. I think they said it in the video. Allow yourself to be angry or sad or whatever it is, because if you hold back those emotions, it's either going to be bad for you or bad for somebody else. But if you learn to speak the truth, like, hey, I, I am not liking what's going on right now. And maybe like you said, I'm going to step over here, <laughs> you know, because right now this is, I, I, I don't want to do anything wrong here. Um, and that passage is supposed to be Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27, um, instead of just Ephesians 26 through 27. It's Ephesians chapter 4, 26 through 27. Um, and so, yes, being angry but not sinning is a skill that everybody should work on as much as possible. Because there are so many things in life that are not going to go your way. And usually our number one reaction is to be angry. Then we, you know, our, our, our anger turns into sadness or, or, or something to that, that nature, you know? So I, I think being angry is something that you do have to make sure that you know how to do. You know how to be angry, but not, like you said, choke people out, cuss people out, um, you know, go off, you know, however we describe it. But we do need to deal with situations. And sometimes anger is a, is a great motivator. It just has to be, uh, it has to be tempered with self-control. Okay. Well, it's 831. Um, you guys were awesome tonight. Uh, there was a lot of information talked about. And your engagement made, um, made this go very well. Next week is the final class? No, there's two weeks. 
Is it one week is or there? two weeks? I don't know. Because we missed last week. 